I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Welcome to a late edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. Uh, we are on a Tuesday evening recording as there was a late finish to the Players' Championship, which I'm sure as golf bettors you are all aware. Uh, Jason Daniels joins as ever. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yes, yeah, good. This is not our first rodeo, is it? Um, and that's not based on our historical podcast. That's based on tonight as well. Uh, it's been the night of technical difficulties, so we're starting <laughs> here again. And Bradley Todd's there chuckling in the background. Brad, hello. Yeah, good evening, Tom. Yeah, good. So we we are back for another week. Um, it feels like I feel like I've got a hangover, and it, you know when people say I've got a golf hangover, and it's after a Masters or it's after an Open or whatever. I, I feel so drained, and you know, first Couldn't of all, agree more. Yeah, first of all, congratulations, Brad, on on another Cameron Smith winner. Um, you and Jason were obviously on him earlier in the Tournament of Champions this year, and you are now on his second win of the season, so you are officially the Cam Whisperer for now. Indeed, Cammy boy, coming up again. That's it, we like to see that. Um, Jason, that, that final round, um, do you think Cameron Smith... Well, he obviously deserved it, but it, it, there was, it was driven by a lot of putting. Only one green where he didn't one putt. Um, and decided to spray it all over the place as well. So there were some lively challenges in Paul Casey, Keegan Bradley and Annabelle Lahiri, of, of all people. Well, if you're good enough to go down the last of a two-shot lead, you can still bogey it, can't you? <laughs> which is which is not your favourite so, thing, is it? <laughs> it's not, Tom. I've mentioned it before. <laughs> um, no, I, I just I, I just leave the set. It, do you know, it's one of them things. It's like when you watch a tournament and the final three ball play so crap that you know the, the the three ball that are four in front of them somebody wins a tournament then and he's just like hold on this is a bit weird i don't know why it's just very strange uh, i mean look you can't not Cam Smith. Um, he, he's great he can get his hair cut now because he can afford it and uh, <laughs> you know um what can you do he's he's excellent isn't he, he he's progressing throughout his career um and he's now in the big time he's he's, he's excellent and the more i think i mean brad knows him better than i do but the harder it'll get, the better he'll be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, look, look. You can't, like I say, you can't knock him. Casey, as we've discussed already, and numerous people, you know, that was an unbelievable break. Um, what's he supposed to do from there? You know, there's, there's been Twitter conversations about whether he laid up correctly, etc., etc., etc. What's he supposed to do? He played well at Harding Park and got beat. He played all here and got beat. Um, it's just going to be one of them careers, isn't it? I think, to be honest, it's a shame. I think he deserves a really, really big one. It, I know he's had him. He's had some decent, decent you know, WC match plays, etc. But mm. he does deserve one real flagship event. I think before he before he isn't good enough anymore. That felt like a what could have been a crowning tournament. I mean, Nick Doherty spoke to him about you know the fact that it was one that he possibly you know gave away or not even gave away but just missed out on and mm. you know throughout his career did he feel like this is one and does he think he can go again and he sort of says you know if I keep playing like that I will and he kind of has this we've warned him a little bit since Harding Park I think where he had a good attitude and um, he's just so smug when he talks and it rubs people up the wrong way but he does believe in himself he's got great ball striking he, his, the way he plays deserves a tournament of this magnitude mm-hmm. and win um, very unlucky. I think that's probably one of the worst rules 
I've seen that you can't just get some relief because it wasn't even it wasn't even in a divot like Leishman at the open. It was literally embedded. Uh, you know, it, it I don't was... blame him though because like, he was just worried it would come out. He wasn't yeah. sure where it was no, going to come out. Yeah, could absolutely. have easily gone into the water right. But, and so, but he but, could have done more. He could have done better. Don't. But with his but, layup, but hold on. But equally, he's too behind. Is he too behind at that stage? I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, um, he's too behind. You've got, you've got. Does it matter to him whether he finishes second or fourth? Um, Mm. I'm not. I mean, I when you watch that's a good point actually. Yeah, that's a good point. When you watch the close-up and you watch the ball, unbelievably roll into the into the hut. It's just incredible. But yeah. I, you know, does it matter? It's totally irrelevant. It's not like you say. It's not um, Lahiri. It's not uh, you know. It's not a rookie. You know, he's done it. He has done it before, and it, it really doesn't matter to him. So should you better go? Yeah, it might have been worth a risk, might it? Yeah, it's tough. It's really hard to know. It's all all easier for us to decide, isn't it, than than him at the mm-hmm. time. But um, you know, it may, maybe you thought that someone like Cameron Smith's luck could uh to run out if he was driving it all over the place, but um, mm-hmm. apparently not. You know, as I say, the way he putted was brilliant. I mean, in the, the day, the amount of birdies he made, he made he birdied oh, the first incredible. four holes and on both nines, didn't he? So I just um, love the way he puts, like just the way he approaches a putt way like watches it sort of die into the hole perfect pace every time um yeah it's just a brilliant putting performance and he did have a little bit of smiles on his way to win it but i thought it was possibly deserved <laughs> arguably deserved uh, I, think, I think he deserved it i think i think yeah, when, I... when you win that clearly and, and shoot a 66 in the final round you probably deserve it regardless yeah, of how yeah. you did it um it feels very jordan spieth-esque when you think about all the putts that he makes and um, the the driving's not always uh, excellent, and like he oh, said, he, he pushed the tee oh, shot. When he took when the A team, I'm just like, Cam, <laughs> Cam, take get get the get the iron out, mate. Get the four iron out. Just hit the fairway. Yeah, yeah. I see the driver, and I'm just fearing the worst after he, seeing him hit like two or three duck hooks. I'm just like, oh. But but I guess, I guess it, it's good that he goes for it as much. Fair play, he backed it, backed himself, and it went right. Um, which was the best case scenario, but then he puts it in the water afterwards, so yeah. maybe maybe he should have duck hooked it off the tee instead. It was, it was so anti-water, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, it was just... It, it was, was just... Oh, anyway, there we are. Like he got it done, though. That, that, that approach shot that to get his bogey was massive. You know, it was huge. Yeah. It didn't make a double. It didn't make a double all week after going into the water, which is incredible. Yeah, that's true. I mean, see the positives, I suppose. But again, he's he's approached the from that distance. It's probably the easiest hole on the course, isn't it? You know, the way they put the pins. So, but like you say, he's won it. Blah blah blah. Given the situation, makes it more impressive. Yeah. I I think the 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 real crowning performance of Van Van Lahiri was was mighty. I mean, I know he made that double bogey on eight, but otherwise, three birdies and an eagle chasing down. Yeah. He um, didn't go away, did he? he just no. Did. Never, right. and he was so frustrated with himself on the last hole. Like, yeah, when he when he missed that approach on eighteen, he was kind of like almost ready to snap his club. And I thought, you know, you, you're you're <laughs> about to be two million dollars richer. Um, you, you're going to get yourself into some bigger tournaments. You you have contended out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, everyone was asking how he even got in the field. It was because of his FedEx Cup ranking from last mm-hmm. year. But I don't, I wouldn't even have thought he'd got top one one twenty five last year. He just 
He, you know, we've seen it before from him. He's been class in the past, like 2015, 2017 sort of time. He was really good, but um, out of nowhere, really. So I, I thought he could have ejected a lot earlier. thought Keegan Bradley, I, I quite like him, contrary to everyone else's popular belief. It was a tough finish for him, wasn't it? Um, I've always had a problem with Keegan ever since he had that spat with... And the other one that I thought was really impressive was Kevin Kisner. But um if, if we mm. get into all the individual performances we'll be here all night. It was yeah. it was a it was a weather affected. It was tournament. a funny leaderboard, wasn't it, really? Yeah, for, and, for a long and time. you know, I didn't I didn't love it, I've got to be honest. It was a I didn't like the, all the waiting around and although the the final round had the drama that you wanted from it, it was a it was a kind yeah. of Oh, I, I, was, I was starting to lose interest after like round two when it got you know all the delays and stuff I, I was I was just like if it happens it happens and just it's yeah. bad I've never felt like they, that way for players before normally I'm pretty hyped up for it but it just killed it for me so I'll, t- I'll tell you who everyone thought was going to reject that didn't that was Dustin Johnson everyone thought would lose interest and then shot a course record 63 on Sunday so um, mm-hmm. that was impressive enough but sure it'll be popular this week <laughs> he will he will indeed let's go into the Stein City Championship um, we, we couldn't see the My Golf Life open uh, generally last week. It was on Supersport, which not generally available to people, but um, you know people couldn't watch it closely. But Pablo Larafabel won last week uh, in a playoff from Adrian Alson and That's Jordan brilliant. Smith. Just to um, say that 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 is a better result. Cam Smith is expected to win, right? Yeah. yeah, tournaments. I thought Pablo winning again. You mentioned the fact that a few weeks ago he said he was hitting the ball better than ever. Yeah. Uh, and and just to just to say, I know we're short of time, but just to say, yeah. I, I I just love it. I love Pablo Lasso. It's awesome. I passion. was surprised because this was the first time. Well, I wasn't surprised. I initially thought, then the reason I looked into it was because I was intrigued to see if he'd ever, because he was cruising into a top ten at this point. I thought, has he ever actually posted three top tens in a row in his whole career? And the answer was no. Wow. Um, so this was the first time he did it. Crowned it with a win. Um, but he's actually, when you look back in his earlier part of his career, I've always thought of him as this kind of volatile, inconsistent character. He actually has quite a record of really decent stretches of golf. And although there wasn't ever three top 10s, it was like three top 11s, three top 12s, three top 15s. Like he does just generally telegraph form. So, um, you know, 25th, 35th, 6th, 3rd, 1st. That's a real progression uh, on Pablo's part. So, yeah, really impressed by him. Um, again, we don't really quite know how he got there. We it's, it's, we're guessing a little bit statistically, but I think he putted mm. quite well. Um, also, also, I must it. just mention because I actually don't work on it, so I'm going to mention it. <laughs> uh, the the, the Alkaima form, unbelievable. Carried yeah. on, mm. you know, Pablo, John Smith, uh, Adrian, Nuz, and George Katsia. The Don yeah. Pedro form, absolutely all over the place, which links in. Qatar form therefore links in with Don Pedro. That is all over the top four. Um, apps, I mean, I hope they go back there because that, you know, that is so strong, that form, that, um, you know, I don't think it can be ignored, to be honest with you. No, I hope that carries on this week because I don't think it's going to be a too dissimilar test. Um, nope. Wide fairways again, heavily bunkered, like they said last time. A bit more water in play this time. Um Brad, did you have any thoughts about whether the score would be much different from last week? Any better, worse? Well, I think it's similar conditions. So it's going to be rain. I think there's lots of rain forecasts. So it's going to be wet. It's going to be they're going to be scoring well the first the first two days. And whether it the rain stops or not, then as we saw, the scoring did slow down a bit last week, and that could be the same case this week. But um, 
yeah, as you said, this is literally well, pretty much carbon copy from last week, I think. A similar track, Jack Nicholas. Um, just the rough is a little bit shorter, and uh, yeah, should be a similar test. Jason, any more thoughts on the course before we dive into the odds? Uh, I think he, he's. I think obviously Brad's got it bang on, really. I mean, last week's leaderboard has to be taken into account massively. Um, yeah, I mean, he's covered it really. He's had a Lombard holds, of course, record way back in 2018. I personally looked at um, I, all my selections revolve around JC Ritchie, um, who we discussed at like chatting on the text over the weekend. Mm-hmm. He won the uh, Sun Carnival City Championship in 2018 and also the team championship here. Uh, sorry. He won that in the in the area, and he won the uh, team championship here with Jaco uh, Pinslow. Um, and I've revolved it around him, just because he's, he's the informed player in South Africa. Mm-hmm. He's got all the form of the day to Joburg. Um, he's won in Popo twice, so I think he's could be significant here as well. So, yeah, I think you're not going to get you know a 251 winner for sure here, I don't think, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, inform and related to JC Ritchie in some way. Is the way I've gone. Yep. And uh, just one more one more thing that I forgot to add is that I know last week I mentioned that it was uh, Fitch Arts home track. I actually missed out that it was also Henny De Places, um home track and he was up there the whole way, wasn't he, leading for three rounds. So I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of local knowledge, definitely, because Fitch Art, he was in contention up until the last round as well. And then he, he would have probably landed the top 40 bet if I w- would have gone down that route. But this week... Dylan, Dylan Naidu, it's his home course, so possibly there could be a performance on the card there. It might be nothing, might be, could be something there. So, yep, yeah, I like that. Um, a couple of different variant things there is that um, Jason's basically ruled out my whole card of picks by his, his logic, so that's going to be an interesting uh, discussion when those ones come up. But um, no, that's, that's, that's an opinion, and we'll, we'll go into those. Um, Dean Burmester, 18 to 1. Jordan Smith, 20 to 1. George Coatzier, 20 to 1. Pablo Larafabel, to go back to about 22 to 1. Marcus Armitage, 28 to 1. Uh, Brad, I know you're in on George Coatzier this week. Yep. Well, you just, uh, I was on, in on him last week. But he finished like a Trojan, uh, closed with a round of 64, finished fourth. Placed at 40 to 1. I was very pleased. I wasn't thinking I was going to get anything in the end after having a few around there. Um, but he followed up his ninth at the Raz like, with another quality performance. Uh, he had four rounds in the 60s, was just getting better and better as the week went on. And the, one of the reasons I picked him last week was that he had pretty good history on the Nicholas designs and he proved it again like with that fourth place finish. So here we go again, another Nicholas design. Uh, very similar to last week. And I just fancy him to be up there again. He's ranked 14th on approach, third tee to green, so the game's in great shape and he's trending. Um, 36th in putting, which is unlike him, really. I think he can definitely improve on that. It's not u- his usual numbers. And we know with George, like once he gets, he's brilliant in contention once he gets up there. So you can happily have the lead. It won't phase him if he if he does have it for over like the three rounds, like the places does. I won't phase him one bit. Like he'll just go and get the job done. Just a good competitor. Um, and, yeah, he's won plenty on home soil and just struggled not to go back in on him again at 28-1 to because I just foresee him improving this week after shaking off some more rust. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's obviously shortened up quite a lot in the market since then, which put me off 
a considerable amount. He's obviously gone into eighteens or twenty twos. I think he can get in some places. But um, if he mm. was, you know, if he was a twenty eights or thirty threes or whatever earlier in the week, I I would have been more interested. Jace, was there anything that you thought about George Cozier? Can't argue. What yeah. can you do? He's he's a you know he's a bit of a South African legend at sort of our time of golf betting, if you like. Yeah. Um, really hasn't got to the level that he should have done. Um, to be honest, flirted with it. Um, hasn't got there, but you know it doesn't look like he really cares. So um, never does. Yeah, he? <laughs> no, he doesn't seem like he's he's bothered. He's he's fantastic to watch when he's great. Like when he won at Portugal, um, he just looks imperious. Um, yeah, he's bent good enough to win. Just take your pick. You know, can't yeah. argue. Can't argue. So you're you're on. Um, just reading your golf WRX uh, article earlier. Uh, you're on the Oliver Becker uh, train this week. Another South African. I remember Becker. I remember Becker. Twenty years. Ago. No, I remember Becker could not do a thing in front. He, he honestly, he's. He, he yes, was... I remember that too. Yeah, that was, and, and a lot of it was on the on Challenge Tour level years ago. Yeah. And it was, he was absolute nightmare. He was a bit like um, C1 Kim, who actually eventually won about a few weeks ago, didn't he? Ben put it up. He won some bizarre tournament um, mm. after like nine. Yeah, an Asian tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, amazing. He was a bit like him. He was a bit like him. First time in his career. Yeah, they just can't win. But anyway, uh, Becker, yeah, Becker's absolutely flying. Um, like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing hidden there. All his forms in front of you. Um, what impresses me is, is that he's gone sort of ninth and ninth, uh, two weeks running at Raz. Um, his second, if you go back to uh, December, his second in the SA Open behind Danny Van Tonda. Yes. Actually, looks. I love this, and the reason I like it so much is because. Um, at the 2021 Limpopo Championship that Brandon Stone won, uh, Becker, Duplessis and Danny Van Tonda were in the playoff as long as Stone. That links in massively with JC Ritchie, who's won the event twice. Um, and, and you know that I'm basing my whole thing <laughs> around JC Ritchie, so it could go completely wrong. But the form lines between them, them two or three just run all the way through. Um, but anyway... So I, I really like that. I love the two top nines. I mean, we, we know Nicholas Hogarth, for example, um, won one week, went home the next. So to, to do what he's done, um, uh, and I think he came from, when the article he came from uh, 104th after the first round um, on the first of those top 10 finishes. Um, comes ninth the week after again. He was always prominent. Uh, slow start in Kenya, and comes from 65th to 8th, faced by Sunday. And then last week, he... Um, he basically comes through the field as well. Reasonably prominent, but he's never closer than at the end. He's, he's just flying. I mean, he's just playing very, very, very good golf. Um, I'm not really sure what else. I think you want somebody who's informed. You want somebody who knows the area. I think he was ninth in that Pairs Championship back in 2018. Um, I, I just don't know what there is to oppose him with other than he doesn't have that many ones. But, he... It still haunts me that Daniel Van Tonda got over that water hazard to beat him at the SA yeah. Open Championship. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that was tough, but he shot third round seventy five, which you know obviously took it, made it a lot harder for the Sunday. But I think you're absolutely right, mate. I think that the only blemish on his form for a while now is that miscut in Abu Dhabi, and that's not the class that he's playing in now. He's he's playing in the similar fields to where he's finishing ninth, ninth, eighth, eleventh, uh, and second. He's playing in his home country, and it, it really does seem pointless to try and oppose him it's yeah. purely just the fact that that i guess he's obvious that, and i've tried to go a little bit away from it in the sense that because i'm so 
so sort of lost in what to do with this event. I've got to be honest, like straight out of it, that that mm. I've almost just gone bigger to try and um, to try and counteract that. And um, got me. So I just think it's it's you know on these South African tournaments, yeah, you, you have a lot of numbers but a lot of rubbish. I yeah, mean, yeah, it happens 100%. every week there. You know, you start going. I mean, I'm not knocking the people at 115 so the one, but they don't win. And mm. and even worse, the home players they really do not win. And we get caught by them, the Jack Blouse and people like that, the Jacko Allaire's that, you know, um, constantly contend. And they just don't do it. Well, it's and, like and we might have yeah. 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 Like last week, that was his, wasn't it? I mean, it looked, he looked, he was cruising first three rounds. I was like, I, geez, I cursing myself that I didn't like know that this was his home course. And <laughs> and, uh, and he was, uh, he just, he looked like he was going to win it for so long, didn't he? But he didn't, you know, when it comes down to it, he didn't get it done. And that's a, just a massive opportunity for him just gone yeah that, but the, the only thing i think is like becker who, who sort of comes from behind a lot of the time um and it might be a really good bet in running if you like mark it mm. actually bothers taking any money um is that duplessis who i've put up again this week as, as for top 10 and top 20 um again he might you know being in front for three rounds is um you know it's a difficult thing for the a lot of these isn't it um in the end he's, he's actually played okay he could have completely collapsed he's only got beat three I know mm. that you know he's, he's basically given away yeah. five shots, but um, and he couldn't hold anything to put on the front nine. He wasn't doing anything particularly, but his experience in front. He's only twenty-five. Um, you know, there's a lot of these that are in their forties that you know have won twice in their career. So um, anyway, I know we're not down to that level at the moment, but mm-hmm. because of, because of the the the, um, the uh, coat hook that I've hung my coat on this week, <laughs> I, he he just. He's also in the uh, he's also in the plan anyway. No, yeah. that, that's good to link that all in. But Jace, the other one that you've got before we move on into the forty to one range is Matthew Pavon, the uh, improving Frenchman. Got to win, hasn't he? Come on, what can he do? I mean, he's playing absolutely fantastic golf. Yeah, I mean, okay, messed up third round. What, what do you want him to do? I mean, he was really unlucky in Portugal um, when he treble bogeyed the par five. Um, and came back and birdied the next par three, I think, with a, a shot better than Cameron Smith's was last night. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely stuffed it. But uh, I just don't know what he's got to do. I, 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 I actually really, really like watching him play. I know we couldn't last week, or some of us couldn't. Um, <laughs> I, I just love watching him play. I think he's got a fantastic all-round game. I think his attitude's great. Um, he played brilliant last week, probably better. Well, was better than the 15th, which had given him his uh, uh, fifth. Um, top 10 of the year um, I, I'm not sure what you want from a player that hasn't won yet and he really hasn't won yet mm-hmm. uh, it's not that he's won anyway um, yeah I love him I love Pavon and I think in this grade 35 he's, he's fair he's certainly fair as an each way but I wouldn't lay him anyway certainly not for a place um, yeah, I, I, yeah. What do you I want? Think, the I other think thing the... is oh sorry the other thing is sorry that I must mention <laughs> I've gone along with if you want it as well because nobody can argue is some sort of Spanish influence as well. Definitely. Last week was dominated. By I thought Spanish. that as well. Yeah. yeah. Dominated. So Elvira, Elvira Loretta Bell and uh, non-winner Arnaz. Yeah, in there. Um, and also, I come back to my mate JC Ritchie, who I might buy a signed poster or a poster. Um, <laughs> one of his best, one of his best efforts over here um, on the Challenge Tour was in Spain. So I don't know why there's a link. But there clearly is, and um, anyone that's got recent form, a bit of form in Spain, and over here is is on the 
card for me and, and you know Pavon's one of them so um, yeah I love him mate I think I think with Pavon as well I think he's there's a there's an impression that people will have that it's recency bias and he's just had a, a you know caught some form over the last few weeks but actually it's pretty long term I mean as I said last week we were trying to get on him earlier on in the year I think he pulled out a couple of times uh, in the Middle East and swing I think he had COVID but he was 21st at the British Masters last year, uh, 12th at the Scottish Open, 12th at the Daniel Links. Like they're really impressive performances, and then he kind of hits his stride in this kind of run of, you know, top 20s over whatever his last six or seven events. So um, I think there's a longer term form on there than, than maybe he's getting credit for. Uh, Market's not particularly missed it, I don't think, but um, you know, like you say, it's, it's I wouldn't want to be laying it. Um, the one people I did look at Laurie Cantor originally, and then I decided that he's Adrian House and just can't be bothered. Um, Shabanka Sharma was one I thought. You know, he likes playing at these sort of altitude, and Cedar Green's always very good, but again, a little bit shorter than I wanted. So I actually landed on Brandon Stone, um, who Brad, I think you're on the same lines as well. Yeah. Um, it feels like he's treading water, Brandon Stone. He's kind of 25th, 35th, 20th, 18th, um, but slightly better than that. Uh, Brad in the sense that he's actually been putting himself into position more than he kind of gets credit for I mean he was 7th mm-hmm. after 36 holes last week I think he was inside near the top 10 uh, a couple mm-hmm. of starts before that after the first round he was inside the top 4 after 36 holes at the Raz Al um Championship and again top 20 first two rounds in Dubai so I think he's actually playing a little bit better than the course numbers suggest and in terms of class he's right up there with the best Definitely, and it's just them two rounds, and as it has been in other events, wasn't it? Them just falling flat after a good start, and uh, still pretty good finish. He played some good golf last week, and he was very good on approach, which and and around the green, which hasn't really been the case with him and uh, recently. So I think there was some good improvement there, and it's a course that you expect would be good for him. You know, he's big hit and uh, wide fairways so yeah I, I just struggles for consistency at times but I, I do expect him to just he wasn't that great off the tee last week I, I just didn't I feel like he would improve on that and uh, I also found out that from both his social media and the Stein City Golf Club social media accounts that Brandon is not a stranger to this club like, there is loads of retweets from both sides um saying and Brandon was like always enjoy my time here and there's possibly an affiliation of some sort between um Brandon and his club so there's that as well and so yeah there's a lot to like about him I mean we know he's a winner he's won four times in South Africa so if he gets in contention he's, he's a good competitor and I think 50 to 1 which I got him at was but even at forty to one, he's a he's a good bet. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a lot to like about Brandon Stone. I think he fits into those kind of things that Jason spoke about earlier with the with the links. Um, you know, the, the the fifty to one early was really nice, and forty to one I still take. Um, it, there's a lot around this this range, right? Tristan Lawrence is coming to um, slightly shorter prices. Was out of sixty sixes before that, who I thought was actually a decent chance. Well, the one person I was a bit surprised to see in this part of the market was Wilco Nineaver. I can't believe he shortened up after last week. I mean, he that has got to be one of the worst missed cuts I've ever seen in my entire life to shoot seven under, uh, and then when everyone else is charging, you go whatever you want a couple of par, a couple over par. 
uh, atrocious. So Wilco Nine Over is on the shit list for now. Um, <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> it, it's not it's, it's not taken long, but uh, I think three or four times of being burnt by him, I've I've kind of given up. So um, when he wins, it'll be painful, but it'll be what it'll be. It won't be my money on it. So um, Louis Diego. Brad. Diego, yeah. And he just completely stood out when looking at the stats from last week and he's ranked comfortably first on approach and first tee to green. As we said last week, these stats we're getting on these South African events like might not be as reliable as we are making them out to be, but it's something we've got to go off of and it was just a seriously impressive performance if you take that into account it just could not get anything going with the flat stick I finished I think dead last putting and but he finished 18th and he, I think he should put I can't remember what rounds he did now I don't know if he was four rounds in the 60s or I think didn't jot it down sorry uh, but it was a good performance and it's a really good start to the year he finished um He's, he's had 10th, 27th and 42nd on the co-sanctioned Sunshine and Challenge Tour events. He withdrew at the Johnson Workwear Open, which I think was de- I think there was, might have been a problem there. It could have been even injury or illness. I can't remember seeing it. Um, but he bounced back. I mean, last week, what great performance. And he's yet to win on the DP World Tour. Came closest in Kenya 2019, finished runner-up. And unsurprisingly, a lot like the other South Africans, he's most comfortable competing in africa hmm. so he's only is where his only win has come on the sunshine tour and it's just another great opportunity this week after last week's performance to break his dp duck and so yeah i just hope if he can keep them two degree numbers up if they are what they are and get the part of working like 80 to one might look quite big come the end of week yeah i, I think louis diego's one of those people that i it feels like he's been around forever and yet he's only 34 years of age um there's obviously someone else that's a really... It might even be J.B. Kruger that I always get him confused with. Um, but, you know, when you look at his scalps, he's, he's beaten Hayden Porteous and Yako Ehlers in 2014, beat Daniel Van Tonder in the same year, beat Trevor Fisher Jr. in 2019 at the Eye of Africa Championship. Like He's he's beaten the decent-level players at this at this standard, isn't he? So, um, yeah, pretty impressive. It, it just depends whether he can. He's always had problems on the green. I think that's kind of always been his one of his problems. You know, I would have, uh, if I remember rightly, he's, pretty, he's always been quite a steady tee to green, maybe not as well as it, it appeared last week, but... I think that has um, he's had a bit of a problem with the flat stick over yeah, the years. I, th- I think that I think you're right. I think I think it's just he's like, just one of those guys that doesn't quite get over the line on the on the mm. DP World Tour, but does on the Sunshine Tour. And like you say, it's a good opportunity for people to do that and and take advantage this week. Talking of old guards that, that Jason mentioned earlier, we've got these guys in the field that are here at forty or years of age that don't ever win. Um, Richard Stern, he's not won for a long, long time, but he did used to win uh, six times on the European Tour. Uh, last time coming in the Joburg Open against Charles Short, which he won by seven strokes, which is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he's got some pretty good scouts in his career. Anders Hansen, uh, he beat Robert Rock out for Dunhill Championship. Soren Kjeldsen, he's beat. Uh, Charles Schwartz again, like he said, beat. So really impressive resume for someone that's played at his standard, I think. Um is this, do you expect him to keep a little run of form going when he's this kind of age? I don't know, but he was fifth last week and you know he, he was never outside the top six all week. The best round was 64, round one that had him sixth. 
Um, you know, he was second going into the final day. Didn't maybe just a little bit of rust in contention. Just didn't quite get going on the on the Sunday. But he was 12th again after 54 holes in Kenya as well. I just like that little run of form. Like he had, he had a bit of a break before then, so it's not like he's going to be massively fatigued. And I just like the people that are kind of in the current form and stayed in South Africa. So uh, Richard Sterney for me at 100s won with seven places. Felt like a bit of a steal. Suffered a lot with injury. Yeah, Richard Sterney. A lot of injury. Fantastic player. Right? Yeah. Big price. He, he was out for a while, wasn't he, Jason? Not not so long yeah, ago, I think. Was it was it his yeah. elbow or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, brilliant player when he's right. And, yeah. and I think I think it's a massive. Like, there's a pretty decent discrepancy on his prices actually. Fifty five to one with Skybet, fifty to one with Unibet, hundred to one with with Coral William Hill, Bet Victor. Mm. So um, you know, just maybe a bit of indecision on whether Richard Sterney's capable of winning still or not. But I think at, at the price, I'm more than happy to uh, to chance that he does. Um, Jason, any more in the kind of 50 to 100 to one range? Uh, well, you, you know, I have put Duplissy up. Um, yeah. Uh, and, it is, and it's funny that you lot of you both have backed Stone. Because hmm. there we are, back to the 2021 Limpopo. <laughs> so should we just back everybody that was in that tournament? Because yeah, just everyone that played. Might as well. Do you know what? I'll be really gutted if nobody from that tournament ends up in the top 10. <laughs> um, but no, I haven't, mate. No, I mean, it's... it's um, well, I don't think I have anyway. Hold on, let me check. Let me check the, uh, the doobies. Um, I, look, I mean, I looked at, um, and I've said it in the thing, I looked at um, Julian Brun, who's yeah. obviously potentially oh, brilliant. Uh, Francesco Laporta, who's now becoming a ridiculous price, given what he can do, even though he's not really there, is he? Um, bit better last week, wasn't he? Um, yes. But I, w- I wanted to see a little bit more, but um, I think once once we see a little bit, maybe we should be on him. Um, so I've, I've put up... Um, uh, Santiago Tarrios, you can put the Ben in if you want, it seems to appear or not. A bit Matthias, Batty, Schwab, <laughs> and it's, it's all a bit silly now. Uh, but Santiago Tarrio is officially apparently on the um, odds board. Um, it's based on last year's form, really, more than anything else, and the fact that I really wanted to put a Spaniard up. And I certainly wasn't going to put um, Adrian Nels up. Um, Who has now pulled out? What, what about your boy Alfie? Alfredo? Whatever it was. Oh, Alfredo Garcia. Heredia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, there were so many. There were so you many. Called Al- when you called him Alfie or something? Oh, yeah, you just called him Alf, didn't you? My mate yeah. Alf. Something, yeah. You know, I, I put Tario up just because I, I, I remember what he did last year. Mm. You know, he was he was excellent last year. He, he'd done very little wrong on, you know, a slightly higher level. Obviously, in 2021, he won twice. Um, he won in Spain. Which is, I think, then might be significant. And the third in Cadiz in between the two wins. Um, he ran up at the German Challenge, which um, links in um, Duplissy and uh, other people that I've lost my notes for. Um, oh, there were Spaniards in the first and the second. That's right. Can't remember who won it now, to be honest. Oh, he got done, didn't he? He got done by the rag, didn't he, um, Terrio? He was well fancied to win that. And uh, I can't remember who won it now. Led all the way, and no, he came from absolutely nowhere. Um, Tario played well links him with uh, like I say links him with Duplissy um, I remember what he did last year he's an excellent excellent player it, it really is a toss of a coin as to which Spaniard I, I picked him because I think his potential and his upside um, is there um, but by no means is it a confidence selection another one sort of treading water a bit so far isn't he 26th 35th last two um, yeah. kind of signs in and out that he's got a chance of uh, competing without really knowing where he's at but um 
my final selection is Ewan Ferguson, who I, I was surprised to see at 150 to one. I've got to be honest. Um, you know, you, you take slightly less to get seven places, uh, hundred to one instead. But I just, I think it's being overlooked. Sorry, that's not my final section, but we'll, we'll carry on with Ewan Ferguson. But he's been 8th and 61st the last two, but he was leading Kenya after 54 holes. We know how that finished up. But he was 11th after 54 holes last week, and he was only 5 back. And I just, whenever I see someone that's had a really terrible Sunday went off the pace, I just assume that they've got too aggressive and tried to fire at pins and, you know, just missed and couldn't, you know, make up for it. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm guessing happened with Ewan Ferguson. I don't know because I didn't see it. Um, but we know he's a, he's a big sort of riser. Um, you know, expecting to be a winner on tour. That's how people speak of him so highly. So um, I just thought the price was pretty good on Ewan Ferguson. And then the other one in terms of improvers was Keenan Davids, um, who I know, Jason, this fits into your, there's these South Africans that are never going to win on this level. And he probably is going to fit in that boat. But he was 15th last week when he's kind of making the step up. And... I quite like that. Like, you know, he, he was fourth and sixth on the two Challenge Tour events, 42nd and 29th before that. So he was kind of steadily growing into form. And then you think if he was 45th or 50th or just scraped through the cut last week, I'd say, yeah, whatever, he, he'd not cut out for this level. But open with a 65 was ninth and then just kind of tailed way through 18th, 16th, 15th. Um, Brad, you mentioned to me in a message the other day that he kind of looks like he's rededicated himself. Mm, I read an yeah. yeah, I read an article and it was basically his friends had to convince him to take this kind of challenge tour membership up. He's always it. a little bit that's afraid. Yeah, that's the one. Um, always a little bit nervous and anxious and, and never really backs himself. And all of a sudden, it looks like he's he's flying. And what I like about the tour tips stuff is that he was only second behind Adriano in terms of stroke average for the last ten weeks. But even when you adjust it. For the the field strength, he's still in the top thirty for, you know, best in the field since the start of the calendar year. So I think he's potentially a little bit overpriced. I mean, this is, you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Brad said it a couple of times. It's a huge opportunity for these it guys is. to take advantage of a co-sanctioned event. Um, so yeah, Keenan Davids at 150, 125, whatever it is, if you want for the places, uh, was my final selection i did i did talk on the on the other show about stephen brown you've mentioned all the the portugal links and things at jason he's coming back to form a little bit it seems last week so uh stephen brown 251 seven places looked decent enough but just not a week i don't think for massive outsiders like you said at the top i do think this will go to one of the classier south african regulars or you know just one of the better players in the field so unless anyone's got anything else i think we'll move on to the valspar Nope, it's all good for me. Anything more for you, Jase? Yep, all done, thanks. Folks, spring is right around the corner, and you know what that means? The Masters is coming. It also means that it's time for a tidy up in your pants, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the azaleas at Augusta, and like that beautiful course in Georgia, you're going to want to feel and look your best in time to sit down and watch the biggest event of the golfing calendar. It's time to clear out that winter bush and join 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use code LFW20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing Performance Package 4.0. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs and a Travel Bag to hold your goodies. 
The Lawmower 4.0 trimmer is a pube assassin that is waterproof and equipped with an LED light, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine as you sit down to watch the major championship. Lovely, let's go into the Valspar Championship. So this is an event that's going to be marred by uh, fatigue. I thought we'd have more withdrawals by now. Uh, we lost Paul Casey, Sebastian Munoz, and there was one other that I can't think of at the top of my head I'm right now. I'm sure by the time we've ended this, there'll be a few more. Yeah, there'll be there'll be five more, and this will be rendered pointless, and you know, it'll be really, really, <laughs> yeah, be, really yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of the ones I think that played last week that make it sort of 75, 76 will come out after Thursday's first round as well. Yeah, so we've got that to worry about. So Justin Thomas at ten to one favourite, uh, Victor Hovland and uh, Colin Morikawa eleven to one. Uh, Dustin Johnson 16 to 1, Xander Schoffelet and Louis Oosthuizen at 22 to 1. I'd make Victor Hovland my favourite, um, so that that's the first thing I'd say off the top of the board. When I first looked ahead at this week, I thought it was a good spot for Colin Morikawa, great course debut for him. So mm-hmm. no one's no one really knows what to expect, but you would suggest it's a good course from a copperhead. He's the freshest of any of them he, he missed the cut so he hasn't got to worry about that so did uh, Xander Schoffelet but I don't know Jace I, I'm kind of avoiding the top of the board purely because of what we just said that there's possibilities they'll just check out after a round if they're struggling they could withdraw before the off I don't think they've got this kind of greater chance as everybody else on such a tough track with a bit of volatility anyway so I've kind of left it alone yeah I agree I mean at any point the fatigue could hit anyway couldn't it yeah if they're in, if they're in, you know, massive contention at halfway, what are they going to do on third, fourth day? Uh, no, it's not for me. But like you say, you know, there's some unbelievable players there, aren't there? But not for me in those prices. I don't think any of us would play at those sort of prices. Would we? I mean, we don't generally, do we? I think that I think that's the the theme of of what we do. We never tend to back these kind of eleven to one. Fight. I do think that actually Victor Hovland um, probably you, should be clear. You could so. potentially split your state. Like, I mean, instead of taking each way, you could just take Hovland and Morikawa, like win only, like mm. potentially. I, I wouldn't. Them two definitely appeal the most out of the top. So there was the only the only slight concern with with fading these guys as as we're talking here is that when you look at the leaderboard. So last year it was Sam Burns, Keegan Bradley, Tringali, Victor Hovland, yeah, Jim Ramanza. Yeah. Um, year before that. Paul Casey, Louis Eustace, and Jason Kokrat, Bubba Watson, Sung JM, John Rahm. Dustin Johnson was in there as well. A year before, Paul Casey, Tiger Woods, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, Justin Rose. Like, mm-hmm. It's class personified. Yeah. But it's not It's not the same situation. Like Last year, it was almost May, I think, before they finished. Uh, I think it was the end of April, uh, early May, when they, when they teed out last time. Um, so the grass is slightly different in terms of overseeded. Um, Sam Burns just absolutely destroyed the par fives, which is uh, a growing theme. I'm sure you've got this up on yours, Jason. But the last ten uh, winners of this event, I think there was four of them that have ranked first in par five performance. It might even be five of them. I'm not very good at reading my own writing. Five of them have, have finished uh, first in par five performance. I think four more or three more of them have finished inside the top six of par five performance. No one worse than Gary Woodland, who was 15th in par five performance and shot seven under on the par fives. But Paul Casey actually was 15 under on the par fives in 2019 and won with a score of eight under. Like, it's (laughs) so important to to, to take advantage of those par fives. Sam Burns was 15 under on them last year. Uh, Keegan Bradley was second, was 10 under on them. Like, you just, you cannot win this golf tournament without taking, I mean, Adam Hadwin was five under on the par fives and, and ranked 10th. And Gary Wooden, as I said, seven under the par fives, one at 15 under. So there is a slightly different path 
if you play immaculately everywhere else. But even Kevin Streelman, nine under on the par fives, best in the field, one at ten under. Um, John Senden, seven under on the par fives, one at seven under. Exactly the same score as what you shot on there. Charles Schwartzel, nine under on the par fives, one at seven under. Like it's just so integral. Um, so you've got those really horribly long par threes that are really hard to. Mm to score on so you've got to take advantage of those long holes I think so with that in mind I went with Matthew Fitzpatrick who's playing very very well on the par fives I think that he everyone's wanted to back him all year like every event that's been played they've wanted to back him which is probably so he's had three straight top tens to start the season um, he's coming to 22 to 1 he was 33 to 1 when I put my article up that does change things obviously that's been since Casey's come out um, and, and other things as well, but Brad, I mean, it, that's that's right on the limit, twenty-two to one. I think the twenty-five to one that's still standing out, and I think twenty-eight to one win only on Betfair, both yeah. still fair enough for Fitzpatrick. I think so, mate. And I just couldn't quit him. I mean, I'm one of them people that have just backed him through the roof this year, and um, he was bang unlucky last week, wrong side of the draw, and the fact his putter let him down says it all because it was impossible to putt in the wind. I think he even posted up on Twitter like jokingly about it um it's just impossible to putt in and uh, yeah i just have every confidence that'll go back to normal this week as you said strong on the par fives and florida's just a great place for him isn't it he's just got great location form um six and... top, six top 11s going back to 2018 players in florida <laughs> there you go that's just so impressive and yeah i just feel like this is a good course for him you know he this course requires a lot of patience a good tactician someone who can get creative with their shots and i do think tick uh fits patrick ticks them boxes you know well, that was difficult to say <laughs> and uh yeah i just love the fact his brother's in the field as well maybe that will spur both of them on to go well this week so yeah i, I put the thing in my article that the fact that his brother's going to be in the field for his first PJ Tour event, is going to be a little. This is cool. how we. This is how we do it in the pros. Yeah, brother. I can kind of see uh, it in the. In the. Yeah, I can see it happening. No, wish it into existence. Yeah. Love a narrative. Love a narrative. When anyone thinks of Matthew Fitzpatrick, I think they assume he's going to break through at Bay Hill because of how well he's played there in the past, and everyone thought that Genesis is a good spot for him. Everyone thought Honda. I actually think this is the best spot for him that he's played this season, and it's all because he's only played it once and missed the cut that people don't necessarily think. Yeah, I'll take. I'll, Ignoring been, that completely. Yeah, he's been well backed, so I think you know maybe I was giving people less credit than, than maybe they deserve. And the other one was Tyrrell Hatton that that really kind of uh, outplayed expectations for me last week. Um, still can't hasn't got the patience to win a Sawgrass, but that's absolutely fine. Maybe when he gets to forty five and he's and he's not so angry, um, he, he he might win, win it all. Yeah, um, but but he's brilliant, isn't he? But um, Jace, any of these in the in the kind of twenty five to thirty three to one odds? Uh, does Coke Rack come into that? Um, he does, yeah. Let's, let's go down to Coke Rack. All right, let's go down to Coke Rack. Yeah, Jason Coke Rack. Um, 35 yeah, I, to 1, Jason Coke Rack, best price. Uh, look, I, I think I, I'm not the biggest Coke Rack fan in the world, um, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to be dear to collect. Uh, hmm. I, I just thought this was look, we know what he can do here. Um, last few years, 13th, 2nd, and 8th round here. Um, obviously he's got his three wins in whatever it is X amount of months yeah. um, he, when we all thought that he would never ever win um, he's beaten top quality opposition um, didn't do anything last week but probably that's not going to affect him he lobbed around in you know, 44th 50th the whole way around that's not going to make any difference to him 
So um, in effect, I'm ignoring that because that was just a, a play around for me. Um, you've got five par threes here, four par fours, uh, four par fives, which you've said you have to yeah. exploit. Coke Rack is ranked first in par three scoring average um, and 20th for uh, the par fives. Um, and what else have I written? Uh, Bird is all better on par five. He's top 20. Bird is all better on par threes. He's, he's, it's about getting his, his uh, par fours right, which he isn't doing at the moment. Absolute honest. His figures is, at the moment, his figures at the moment compared to what he was doing last year are not good. No. Right? But, right, um, he doesn't need to be informed to win. No. Um, when he was runner-up in 2019, um, he came into the event off a tied 47 at Sawgrass, so a similar event, you know, this week. Um, um, he did actually play really well there. So he came off the tied 47 at Sawgrass, and then came out and was fifth in strokes game patting, 17 seat of green, 10th in approaches, and ninth off the tee around here. Who doesn't have to come here in great form? Last year he bombed at the max play, he got 42nd at Augusta, and then finished 13th here, which was his worst position of the week. He was always prominent. If you go back further, when he was eighth in 2018, he only had midfield finishes that preceded it. Whilst when he won his third event at Houston Open, he, that came off a tied 54 at CJ Cup and a missed cut in Houston. He was playing um, terribly going into that, in that Houston Open win, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So um, he doesn't. As I've only got two selections this week yeah. because Connors, Henley, and Hoagie don't play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've only got two. They're both uh, diametrically opposed in terms of their um, methods. Coke, no idea what he's going to do, but if he's going to come back to form, this is going to be it. And with doubts about everybody that was up there and got battered about over the weekend and it's been stressed out, um, I'm very, very, very happy back in Coke. Yeah. So for me, it was it, it was just. It's weird because I know, and the complete counter to the point I'm going to make is how he won the Houston Open, and he said, "I don't know, I've won that after playing so shit for however long he was." And he said himself he couldn't find his swing even on the range and stuff like that. Um, but his tee to green has just been long term bad for for Jason Kokrat, which is a bit of a concern. I don't know quite how long he can rely on a putter that hasn't been his strength for so many years. Um, but like you say. He does it. He, he comes and wins out of bad form. He's got a, a lot of course history, and and when you've got a player like this on a track like that, that you know he can he can club down. That'll probably help him with his tee to green game. Um, and he's just got the good feelings around there. This this is a course that when we were talking about Jason Kokrat not being able to win, it was this and Riviera um, that you'd expect him to win at, and he didn't. And you know, and, and all of a sudden he wins three events somewhere else, and and you think this is somewhere he should win, and yeah, I can't. I, I can't make my mind off about him. I, I would absolutely cannot argue if you say no. He's in no form at all. Absolute mm. red light. I, I cannot argue with you, right? Mm. But equally, equally, there we are. The way I, the <laughs> way I look at it is, if it got to Sunday and he won, I'd have like absolutely no qualms, no surprises whatsoever. Whereas there's a few around here that I'd go, I, I couldn't not see that at all. I absolutely can see the path to victory for Jason Kokrak. I just I was hoping maybe that he'd go out to a bigger price because of his sort of lack of current form and bad tee to green game, but he's obviously being protected because of the course form, which I understand. Um, Gary Woodland for me was was the next one. He was seventy to one when I put my article up uh, this morning, and he's gone down into fifties, which is more where I expected him to be, and probably where he belongs. And and fifty to one is again, it's kind of on the limit. These things have shortened up quite quickly, but. He won there in, in 2011, as I mentioned earlier. He wasn't exactly setting the world light on the par fives, but got it done a different way. 
but he's finished 29th and 8th in his next two or three visits uh, here. And then he's just been terrible. He's missed four cuts out of six uh, the last last six times he visited here. But I just think those back-to-back top five finishes at Honda and Bay Hill kind of stick into my memory a lot. Um, and the, 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 the tied ninth at the CJ Cup is the third top ten of the season. And you add in three top ten finishes this season, you know his upside's a major victory. You know he's got a course win. His ball striking numbers are absolutely fine. The 70 to one I thought was ridiculous on Gary Woodland. Um, so I was I was really really happy with him. So he was my next man in. And then the one that I've left out that I was tempted with and actually put in my first round leader article in the end, Brad, that you've gone for outright uh, is Alex Norum. Yep, I took Alex Norum again this week at 50 to one. Um, similar reasons to last week, he just continues to flush it with his irons recently, just ranked 8th on approach last week, which was the second event in a row, he's finished inside the top 10 on approach, and this should be very useful this week when tackling those difficult par threes and the smallest greens, and uh, it was just a flaster that let him down, ranked 47th in part in last week, but it did start to improve in the final round, where he ranked 6th in part in gaining over two strokes on the field, which... I kind of expect it. He normally puts best on Bermuda, so I'm hoping similar surface this week. He can carry on and improve like, from his final round. Um, and he played Copperhead before, which was last year on his debut, and he opened with a 73, then went 68, 70, 68 to finish just inside the top 20, which is encouraging. So he plays well here. And it's just been a solid start from him this year, and I just feel like as a whole... I feel like he's just trending towards a bigger performance, and hopefully it comes this week. Yeah, I mean that 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 tie twenty one last week last year was good, and it, he was he's probably in better form now, I'd argue. And mm-hmm. the 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 seventh and eighth for the last two starts in approach, eighth and seventeenth for tees green was really encouraging. And like you say, probably is kind of uh, bubbling under for a victory. I've used that term quite a few times this uh, podcast. I'm gonna stop saying that, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just playing well and. The reason I kind of backed him first round leader, I don't quite know, one, whether he kind of spent a lot of energy last week and he's, he's been playing quite a lot for, for Alex Norman. And I sort of mentioned before the Honda that it looked like he was reinventing his game to suit the PGA Tour a bit more full time in the sense that he was going more low scoring rather than grinding. But the last two starts, obviously, at Honda and, and the players have kind of recaptured the the old Alex Norman, which is nice. Um I personally just went first round leader just for those reasons, but 46 times in his career he sat within two of the first round lead, uh, including at the Phoenix Open not, not too long ago. And he's had 10 first round leads in his career, three of them on the PJ Tour. Two of them uh, came in Florida, uh, once at the Honda, once at the Players, mm-hmm. um, and the other one was at Torrey Pines. So he, he loves a tough layout, loves two places in Florida. So for me, I, I just went with that. He's playing with Adam Schenk and Matt Fitzpatrick on day one. So I like Alex Norin, just not for the four days. Uh, any thoughts, Jason, Alex Norin? Uh, yeah, he was on the shortlist. Yeah, he's played yeah. really well, sneakily well, isn't he? Um, he is. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've done my sort of prospect thing, and uh, I did look to put him in somewhere, but I couldn't quite find the right the right play so yeah get him in first round leader mate that's can't argue as for as for gary woodland i he just you know really that sort of let me down last week badly um you can forgive it i suppose and he's had the weekend off yeah and after those two two uh top fives in a row um i just thought people were saying to me look he can't play sawgrass and i forgave him because of current form and and whilst obviously he's one round here um 
uh, recent miscuts just do my head in and after last week he's a big price if he's big price that doesn't mean anything what did you where's your your second selection how far down have you got to go for that adam hadwin oh there we go that's good so we'll we'll both talk about adam hadwin so you talk first um yeah okay i mean he's coming back to the scene of his own uh sole pga core victory yeah PJ Tour victory. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Well, I was going to let you right. off there, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, after the night at Sawgrass, that could be a, it could be a bad thing. It could be a good thing. He was never yeah. really in contention to win, so it shouldn't no. really matter. Um, and what I said about Coke where he doesn't need to be informed to win, um, Hadwin does seem to be need to mm. be informed. So when he won here in 2017, he came off five successful cuts that would include a runner-up at the Career Build in 12 in Phoenix. If I'm looking like I'm reading it, it's because I am. <laughs> um, and, when he, and when he defended it, he came off uh, tied three at uh, La Quinta, six at Riviera, ninth at Phoenix, four finishing 12th. When he missed the cut the last twice, that comes off um, sort of cuts in a row. So yeah. he missed the cut of the players in 2019, they missed the cut here. And when he missed it in 2021, Valspar was the centre of three missed cuts. So the fact that he's come to form, the fact that he's back there suggests that he can go on a little bit of a run. Um, his repeated form, as I said, at La Quinta, at, at Shriners, at Canadian Open. Uh, and so he, I suspect he'll repeat form here as well, whether that's 20th or 2nd, I don't know. But um, he's the only well, he's the only one apart from a match bet. Yeah. I, I thought the form this season was being slightly overlooked. So I didn't expect him to do what he did at the players, you know, but again, that was a lot of the final round. And like you say, uh, I think the only negative to the fact that he played so well on the final day is just. In fact, he went from 80 to 66 to 1 because he had a good day. That was it. Um, other than that, I don't think he's a bit like DJ. They didn't spend too much energy. They just had good final rounds and can come and just full of beans, really. But, you know, 6th uh, at the Shriners, 25th at the Amex, 16th at Pebble, 26th at Phoenix, where he's actually um, in a lot better position, I think, going into Sunday. I can't remember exactly where he was now. Let me just bring that up on tour tits. But he was, he was, yeah, he was 7th going into the final day. Um, and second and fifth after the first two rounds. So he's been up and around the leaderboard for, for most part of the season, really, when you consider it. And I, I really like the link between this and Riviera. I think there's a lot of crossover. Obviously, we saw it with Sam Burns last year. who was the 54-hole leader at, at Riviera. Um, Paul Casey, multiple winner here, playoff loser at uh, Riviera. Keegan Bradley's a playoff loser at Riviera. Donald's one here, second at Riviera. Um, you know, sixth at Riviera for Adam Hadwin, as, as we're just talking about here. Charles Schwartz or two fifth place finishes Riviera, so there's loads of there's loads of crossover with that, um, and even you get some weirder names that you can go and look at the odds checker article. As I'll just be right saying that, but um, I liked it. it. Was was that was a long way of me agreeing with you, Jason? That Adam Hadwin um, looks like a decent price. I think it, it feels like maybe it's a bit of a layup and maybe a bit too easy, and you know that, that's always a little bit of concern, but. Um, I'm still going to stick with him, uh, Adam Hadwin, there at 60 to 1 years now. My mm-hmm. final selection, um, and Brad, sorry, you, you were actually on Jason Kokrak as well. I didn't know if you had anything else that you wanted to say. Uh, no, no, mate, no, that's it's all good. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I've completely skipped past the fact you were on Jason Kokrak as well. <laughs> um, my final selection was Bataille Schwab, and he's a guy that. When he came onto the the PJ Tour, everyone was really quite excited about him getting his card, and I was like, oh, you know, he's he's never won on the DP World Tour, so don't get too excited. And, and then all of a sudden, I've kind of completely changed my mind on him in 
a day. <laughs> and that's kind of a, a little bit of a concern because, you know, maybe a bit of recency bias. But back-to-back top seven finishes, uh, T7 finishes, Honda Classic seventh, Puerto Rico seventh. Uh, he was 49th at uh, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am where he shot a 62 uh, in round two. He didn't play very well other than that. But he's had five or six cuts he's made this season, his debut season of the PGA Tour. The first one was... Uh, he, he missed his first cut at the Sanderson, but otherwise just gone on and, and played really well from that. And this is actually probably one of the most suitable courses for him. He's, he's not a long hitter, um, good with his irons, technical track. So there's everything to really like about Matthias Schwab. Even that missed cut that he had at the Sanderson was actually on the number. And when I looked at, you know, we, we sort of associate him with not winning, and he should have probably dispatched that. Turkish Airlines Open, like he shouldn't have even got to the playoff. He shot a 70 in the final round, and anything better would have avoided it. So he lost in the playoff to Tyrrell Hatton. I think as soon as Hatton got in that playoff, he was going to win it. Um, and he shot a 66 on Sunday to lose to Paul Casey by one at the Porsche European Open, which is an event that Paul Casey loves. So when you look at the the kind of two second place finishes he's had, I'm not too down on him. The the one that you would probably argue is when he shot a 65 on Saturday at the BMW International Open and then shot 71 in the final day to lose by two to Andrea Pavan. But again, you know, it's all learning curves. I, I quite like how much he's, you know, kind of been there and, and had a chance. He was fourth in the WGC at the HSBC Champions. Again, Sunday 66. So he can go low on a Sunday if he's, if he's off the pace. And you look at those the three people that finished ahead of him at like WGC, Rory won, Xander second, Louis who stays in third. Abraham Anson fourth, like you know, Matt Fitzpatrick seventh. This is the it's the level of playing field that he's gonna be playing in this week. So I think it's a good chance for him to kind of shoot himself up the rankings a little bit. You know, he's he's in that good form. It's a perfect little track for him, I think. Um everyone's gonna be looking at kind of burnt Beesberger for a European charge. I, I think Schwab's a better one. So mm-hmm. It was him. I thought Kevin Streelman. I thought Jace, you might you might have liked Kevin Streelman given the uh, obvious course form. But again, it's it's how heavily invested you get into an event that's been yeah. so marred by um, what happened the week before. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's exactly right. I, I, it was it was exactly that to be honest. With you. Like yeah. I say, you know, the shortlist. Yeah, Streelman was on there and and whatever. As a, and, you know, the obvious ones, Henley. I'd be interested to see what Henley would have been priced up here. Yeah. Um, I thought he had an absolutely unbelievable chance. But, you know, he's not. I mean, I looked at Nick Taylor, for example. Uh, I did. And people, and people like that. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see somebody like him, Nate Lashley, some Vaughn, Vaughn Taylor, who's <laughs> got some cracking yeah. uh, course form and, and bounced back to top 10 at Puerto Rico last time. But ultimately, whilst I enjoyed looking at it, I'm not sure I want to invest much money. It's certainly not like I did with Sam Burns last year. Anyway. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, that was a good. That was a good pit. That that sound. Oh, burns. thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he was looking for. But that was no. Um, but he telegraphed for me. He telegraphed that. Where yeah. I don't think there's anything here that's that's saying, you know, back mm. me. You know, it's a tough week. It's tough. Yeah, I th- I think it is because, and I think the schedules kind of ruined it a little bit. I think the way that the players ended ruined that a little bit. Mm. Um, one player I did think about. You mentioned Nick Taylor. He was one of them. Troy Merritt, I think, is actually a slightly big price. He's got two top eight finishes here. Um, and he was, I know he finished 74th at Bay Hill, but that was an 87 on the final day. He, he was actually in the top 26. He, he was treading water pretty decently last week at the players. 
another phrase I've used all day, so I'm going to get bored of that one. But he was full foot pebble beach as well. I just, I just think he's actually playing a little bit better than the odds suggest. So, but again, it was just one of those. Like, I woke up this morning and well, we're finishing off last night. I'm just thought I don't, I don't want to get too heavily invested. The first people I was kind of looking at for long shots were like Lebioda and Svensson. I was like, do I really want to put myself through the kind of pain of following those type of Sven- golfers? Cannot do Svensson for a while. I'm still recovering <laughs> from last time. Do, do, do I need to Especially really concern myself? now they're like myself? a snake pit, you know. I'm yeah. Just, if he's in contention going into that, it's like, yeah, no chance. It, it, it's tough. And then and then you, you almost sort of tell yourself that there's a chance of a long shot winner because of all the kind of variables that were mm-hmm. going on and the, the type of tournament it is, a bit of volatility. But you look at those past leaderboards and the better ones do win it. So um, I don't know. It's a really tough event. And as people can probably hear in all of our voices this evening, um, it's been a tough week. Uh, it's been a really, really tough week. Um, it's, it's a really tough schedule for the DP World Tour at the moment. Uh, they're now off again for what is it? I think they're, they're we're in next week at Qatar and then we're off for a month. Um, so it's, it's that's a tough one. But... Any more thoughts on the Valspar Championship before we summarise our picks for both events? No, all good. Anything, Jason? But Fingali, who obviously we're never going to back, he made yeah. money once, made money once, and that's good enough. Current form goes back quite a way. Second missed cut, seventh missed cut, third missed cut, thirteenth missed cut, missed cut the players last week. I wonder what he's going to do. It's be interesting. Because he again yeah. another one that clearly doesn't need to be in form to, to drive people around the twist. Um, the only other thing I would say is and I found it on the American so I'm doing the American market for yeah. me Keegan Bradley to beat Brian Harmon yes oh, God. I mean you know I, I'd have that at 5-2-1 to, to be honest with you um, yeah I mean you can make your own reasons up but um, you know Bradley's flying got all the form in the difficult competition Sony Bay Hill players um, I was close to backing Bradley this week I really was yeah so was I so was I, yeah. Um, but then I was, funnily enough, I made it out of Burns and Bradley last year, uh, which Burns a far, far better uh, winner, so that, that went the right way. Um, but yeah, how, how you can put them two together, um, in my book, is, is just a total mismatch. Um, so that, that's over, I, don't have, I haven't seen it in Britain, so uh, there may be some of that around, but um, yeah, over there, if you can jump over there and take a case full of money, then I do think that's that, that week. Well, again, I just the very easy bet for me with with Keegan Bradley was the first round leader. I think he's never been outside the top six after day one over the last five starts here, and he he's actually led and then missed the cut. Uh, so you know, I I can feel a lit down week coming down outright, but I definitely well, think he'll get off to a good start. Yeah, the, the legendary punter, if you know, that is uh, Paul Krishnamurti. Right. Now more political than he is golf, but he's coming back. Um, has a name for Keegan Bradley. I'm not allowed to mention it. You're not allowed to mention it. <laughs> we, get, we get sued. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, the best. We have we have got the explicit rating on the on the podcast, but um, he. It's not taking no chances. I, I, <laughs> this sounds a bit more personal than anything else. But um, I really like Keegan Bradley. I, I I get why he frustrates people, and and people that bet on him too often probably don't like him very much, and people can't stand his little waggle. Uh, with his feet and all that sort of oh. stuff, but there's there's so many. If if we started putting uh, getting frustrated with people, probably oh, no, we, can't, uh, we can't get personal. No, no, no. no there there is some terrible uh, pre-shot routines on the PGA just Tour. His, just his posture as well. But anyway, so it's totally. <laughs> well, it's, he, is it's, a tall, he is a tall guy though. I, I used to think that his clubs were 
too short for him. I thought they were like kids' clubs. And then someone went at him on on Twitter once saying, like, why are your, your clubs so short? And he was like, they're literally, they're literally half an inch longer. And I was like, oh, he's just an absolute unit. It's the spin, yeah. isn't it? It's that, it's that backing away and spinning the club. And, yeah. It's got the I mean, you know, if he was playing with um, Billy Horshaw, I, I, there's, there's no way the amount of money you could pay me to if, watch. If, if there was a free ball of Billy Horshaw, Keegan Bradley and Patrick Cantlay, I'd probably have a seizure. Oh. Because <laughs> because Patrick Cantlay is, is the cover star for Happy Feet when he does his little pre-shot routine for putting. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely awful. I, I thought his uh, parents must have bought him tap shoes when he was younger because that is one difficult yeah. routine to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that, that's it for, for this week. Um, so let's summarise our picks. I'm going to go first, despite the fact that I still need to remind myself of where I've been for the second time tonight. Stein City Championship. Brandon Stone is still 40-1. to 1. Uh, Richard Sterney is 100-1. to 1. Keenan Davids, 125-1. to 1. And Ewan Ferguson, 150-1. to 1. Uh, Brad, if I come to you for your free selections with the Stein City, please. I took George Kurtzia. I think it was either 25 or 28, but that's shortened right up now. Um, uh, Brandon Stone, 50 to 1. Um, I think that's available at 40s, which I still like. And Louis Diego, 80 to 1. Absolutely. And Jason, your picks for the Stein City Championship, please. Uh, Oliver Becker, Matthew Pavon, uh, Henny Duplissi, and Santiago Terrio, Ben or not. I can never, I can never get ben past Duplicy looking like that guy off Wild at Heart. Every, every well, time I hear his voice, you know what? I can't stand that. I, that actually <laughs> I remember, I remember us having this discussion the last time I mentioned this. I can't stand it. I've heard well, his like, name. Some, somebody tweeted about Duplicy, and I actually put a, a picture up of Duplicy <laughs> from Wild at Heart. Uh, and sorry, and as Duplicy, that is a great Duplicy. program. Yeah. Oh, if he, the, if... lion, the lion has got the thorn in its foot. Oh, you're great. Yes, anyway. We we have, uh, unfortunately, I think we have got a South African listener or two. Oh, um, so if we if we did, we don't we won't have them next week uh, after that performance. But, well, every, um... week, every week, the lion or elephant or, or jaguar had a thorn in its foot. And we had to go through a family crisis before the live five minutes we managed to get the thorn out and everybody was happy again. What more do you want in a programme? Oh, I mean, it that is horrendous. It's like when everyone's tachycardic on Holby City. There's there's certain <laughs> things you have to follow and that's it. Um, you know, there we go. Valspar Championship selections. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick was 33-1. to 1, uh, Now 25-1. to 1. I'd probably only play the 28-1 to 1 win only on uh, exchange now. Uh, Gary Woodland's coming from 50 from 70s. Still like the 50s. Uh, Adam Hadwin 60 to 1 and Matthias Schwab is my uh, nice outsider for the week. I think it's nice that he's actually managed to avoid uh, the carnage that was the Players' Championship. I think he's bang in form and I don't need to sort of say any more on that. He's 100 to 1, 8 places. Brad, your selections for me on the Valspar. I'm joining you on Matt Fitzpatrick at 28 to 1. I got him, but yeah, 25 is fine. Uh, Jason Kokrak at 40 to 1, I think he's 35 best now, and Alex Noren at 50 to 1. Yeah, and Jason, your Valspar selections, please. Uh, Jason Kokrak and Adam Hadwin and uh, Keegan Bradley to beat Brian Harmon in the match. And can we find, I'm just going to have a little look to see if we can find that um, on the little match bet in, in England somewhere. I'm not sure that we can, just checking the old odds checker grid while we're looking. Um, 
no i can't find anything but we will be able to find it somewhere guys thank you very much as ever um tough week it was a tough week but um i think yeah. we got through it okay um we shall see what carnage ensues on thursday when all of our sections are shot 75 and withdraw because they had a tough week at the players um and hopefully henny duplicy goes on to win so that we can have really bad uh you know uh what's the word i'm looking for impressions next week and if not if not if not let's hope that he saves wildlife <laughs> exactly if nothing else as long as he saves an animal with a thorn in his foot or paw should i say um, we will be absolutely fine. Folks, that's it for the Lost of Words podcast this week. Thank you very much.